0: Hello, welcome to Leading with Grace, the podcast for women going through separation and divorce. My name is Hio, and I'm your host. I'm a certified life and spiritual mastery coach, and here I get to show you how your divorce doesn't have to be devastating, but that actually it could be the means of greater discipleship with your Savior, Jesus Christ, as you connect with Him in a higher and holier way. Let me show you how. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Leading with Grace. I am so excited to introduce you to our to my next guest in the forgiveness series. And may, uh, some of you may know that I started getting certified to be trauma-informed and to learn more about trauma and healing and getting some more tools to utilize in my coaching practice and to help other women Um To unpack their trauma and to begin healing from it, and one of the things that I was told um, in the in in signing up was that it was an important aspect of of going through this certification was to get your own, my own like trauma coach or trauma therapist, and so I thought, okay, I guess I better go hire a coach now. (laughs) (laughs) And there's several out there, but I was talking to a good friend of mine. And she said, hey, there is a trauma coach on the LDS Life Coach Directory podcast. You should go listen to it. So I went and listened to it and I totally connected with her. And it is with Cammie Birdno. And everything that she said just resonated with me. So I knew I had to get on a call with her. So as soon as actually before I even finished the podcast and listening to her, I actually found her on her website and booked a call. And then I finished listening to her um, on this podcast. And I, I have not regretted it since. And it's been so interesting that as I've been working with her every week, it has also been like the right timing for things that have come up that I wanted to deal with and work through and feel all the feelings, even when I didn't want to feel all the feelings. And she will tell you that. I I try to be pretty honest. I don't know how honest I really am. I think there are times where I think I hold back. I'm just being totally honest and transparent here. But at the same time, I know that I'm in the right place doing the hard work because there's been times where I just tell her, I don't want to be here. I don't want to talk about this. I don't want to feel my feelings. I don't want this memory to come up. I don't, you know, I don't want to dive into it. And yet I show up every week because I am seeing the impact and the results of doing this work. And so if any of you are looking for a trauma coach, I highly, highly recommend Cami Burdineau. No. <laughs> you will not regret it. It has been life-changing. But anyway, I wanted to bring in a trauma coach to talk about where, where forgiveness fits in our traumas In our healing journey, in finding peace and understanding. And I definitely wanted to bring Kemi on. And I think that what she has to share will be, I will be bold enough to say, life changing for you. And I hope that it will answer questions that you have been wrestling with for a really long time and you've been searching and seeking. And I really believe that the answers will be found in this session and in this um, episode so before i begin with the questions i'm going to turn the time over to cammy and allow her to introduce herself to you and how she got on this healing journey of of facing her past and making peace with it so cammy say hello all right. Hello. Thank you so
1: much, Yo. That was quite a glowing <laughs> recommendation. I appreciate it. I meant it. all of it. I meant all of it. <laughs> You're amazing. And that was fun. I didn't know that that was like how you found me and that you already scheduled before you even finished the podcast. And yeah, yeah. I think that was really fun. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. You are incredible. Like you say, like I do love that you come and be like, I don't even want to do this work. And, and yet I'm still here showing up and offering, (laughs) like, you know, one of the big things I talk about is choice. Like anytime you mention that, I always make sure that we check in and really decide, like you always get to choose whether you're going to do the work or not. And that's so powerful. And, and you do, you check in and you decide and you, you do it. And yeah, we go in as much as it's safe and come back out as we need to. So all of that is super powerful. So good job. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But yeah, for how I got here, um, you know, I found coaching first through Jody Moore and found mindset stuff and just started to really it was really powerful for me because um my trauma story is that I had suppressed all of my trauma and repressed all of it. So I didn't remember any of it. And I found Jody back in like 2017 and was like, "Oh, just the fact that I could start thinking differently, right? Trauma comes in black and white, right? So I had always just learned one way of thinking." The way that I thought was either good or bad. There was no anything besides that. And so being able to find Jodi and have this mindset idea of like, oh, I can think differently. There are different thoughts. There are different ways of viewing it. I am actually creating my own results based on what I'm thinking. And and the whole idea of feeling was a little weird for me. Like I remember when she first was like, get into your body, because I had dissociated and got out of my body for so long that I was like, I don't even know what you mean. Like, Go in and feel something. What does anger feel like? I don't even know. Like it stops here, right? Like it's all up yeah. in my head. And so that was really weird for me at first. And and I actually couldn't even do that until I started having my trauma come up. So then um, in 2019, I actually took a course from Jennifer Finlayson Fife that was all about the art of desire. And because I had this background of realizing I could think differently, you know, the questions she would ask would, um, I would have these beliefs come up and my body would respond in ways that I'm like, what is this? Like, wow do I really, I must believe this thought. Like it would come up and I'd be like, where did that even come from? I don't understand that. But with it would come like all these visceral responses that were scary. And that I immediately shoved down because I didn't know what they were. (laughs) Right. But I knew that they were associated with it. And so starting to realize, oh, these come from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to do a little bit of thought work, but realizing then as I kind of let that in and as I kind of let some of those emotions start to come up, then it was a floodgate of like, I started having nightmares. I started having flashbacks. I started having memories of all this abuse that I had experienced And, and it was terrifying. And I didn't know at that point, once it came up, I couldn't shove it back down again and wow. and i think it was it was a beautiful thing in the fact that my body was like you are not shoving it down again you have tools now you have mindset stuff and you're going to realize that the mindset stuff only takes you so far. And then this mm-hmm. body stuff, like m- the mind is like a top down approach and you have access to your prefrontal cortex. But when you have this trauma and these visceral responses, your survival, your nervous system comes online and it is now in charge and your prefrontal cortex goes out the window. And so wow. starting to realize mindset doesn't work in that. So I needed to start reaching out to learning different body based things. So I, you know, started taking all these trauma summits and started learning, oh, somatic work, polyvagal, chakra, you know, I just started getting into all this inner child work, compassionate inquiry, starting to really understand that there's a difference and being able to realize, oh, what is what is coming up here are these trauma cycles that have been trapped in my body and we can actually release these trauma cycles. I had to first learn how to just even feel an emotion and let that process through my body and then I could start to learn how to let an a trauma emotion come up, a sensation come up and let that yeah. cycle through my body. And so, um, it was kind of when I, you know, got to, when you asked, like, why did I, you know, for one, it was just, I, I wanted those flashbacks, those memories to stop coming. I wanted to be able to figure out how to get rid of them, not understanding language-wise of that I needed to let them go and release them. I just knew I wanted them to stop. Um, And then realizing that like I couldn't pretend anymore, like yeah, was starting to affect my relationships. My kids were starting to notice. Like I would, I would try to just like let the flashbacks kind of play in the back of my mind and still function and do my everyday life. But I started like shaking uncontrollably, and I didn't notice. I like, and so the fact that like my kids are like, "Mom, why are you shaking?" I'm like, "I'm not shaking. What are you talking about?" And I would look at my hands, and I literally couldn't see that I was shaking. It wasn't until one of my kids started holding it, and their hands started shaking, that I was like, "Oh." I am shaking. Like, that's how dissociated and how I, out of my body I was. I couldn't even yeah. look at my own hands and see that I was shaking, right? So for me, it was that I needed a big thing like that. Some people don't need that. Some people just need, like, to realize, hey, I don't like how I'm acting. I need a transformation I want to change, right? Um, but for me, I think because I had been in freeze for so long, I needed something drastic to show me that I needed to get back in my body. So,
0: wow. And so have they stopped? Yes. Yes. Those
1: That's amazing. Those and now I still will have some memories come back. I will have visceral responses. I will have nightmares, but they don't terrify me. They don't play on repeat in my brain because as they come up, I'm able to let them come up. I'm able to not have the judgment. I've... And Peter Levine talks about being able to uncouple the fear. So I have learned how to uncouple the fear that was associated with all of that trauma. Yeah. So now when things come up, I'm like, Oh, I see what that is. I can address it. I let it come up. I process it through my body. I do whatever movement I need to, um, whether that be, you know, going outside, just doing a breathing meditation. You know, it can be something big. It can be something small. Just whatever I have time for that day. Um, and, or sometimes being like, Hey, this is coming up. I don't have time to deal with this today and process this. I'm just going to breathe a little bit and then I'm going to process it later, you know, in a couple of days or whatever. Right. So, yeah. so I don't have, but yeah, I do not have the constant nightmares. I don't have the constant flashbacks and they are now released from my body. And it's interesting. I have like, I know they're, I know what they are still, mm-hmm. and I can still even see some of the what used to be the flashbacks that would come back and cause this visceral body response, but I don't have yeah. the emotional response connected to it. So I'm just like, I know that happened in my past, Got it. but it doesn't affect me the same way. Thinking about it and having it come back up doesn't affect me in the same way. Like I'll still see so because my perpetrators were family members. So sometimes if I still see them or around them, um, those things will come back up, those memories and things. And I will have my boundaries in place to make sure that I keep myself safe and I keep my kids safe, but I don't have the visceral responses. I don't have my survival come online and need to protect me and get me out of there. So it's really powerful to be able to have it be gone and be able to function from my higher self.
0: That is amazing. That is so amazing. And um, and it sounds like like when you, you started getting these nightmares, when you started getting these flashbacks, okay. I'm I'm only guessing that it really like throws you for a loop. Oh, yeah in it's regards to your relationship. Yeah, just the life that you thought you were living has just kind of it's all upside down. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so with that upside down effect, how were you making sense of how were you making sense of gospel principles and specifically forgiveness? But I don't know. I'm kind of guessing, and I could be wrong on this. You start just questioning what is going on in my life, but then like what's going on with my belief system? What's going on with my faith? What's going on with with these foundations that I thought were foundations, (laughs) and they're crumbling. My life is crumbling. Can you speak about that? Yeah. Because I think that you are not the only one that – that would be wrestling with these questions. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cause I do think, I know for me, like one of the wrestles that I had a lot was that I had, the church had actually been like a coping mechanism for me. Right. And getting these, like these moral standards and these values had um, been something that I had leaned upon, not understanding. So once my trauma came up, I realized, Oh, I was leaning on this, but I, I, understood it in this way. And sometimes it was, it was definitely given to me in this way so that I would stay stuck in my trauma, right? So that my perpetrators yeah. would make sure that I didn't ever come out of it. So I stayed in this place where they could continue to abuse me. Yeah. Um, and whether they did that consciously or not, like some of those values in those frameworks worked for them to keep me stuck, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so starting to realize um, like, oh, that actually, like I can see how it helped me. And now I'm really ticked off that that was my experience. And now I really don't want any part of that. I want to separate myself from that. And right, and I do think it's good to take a step back too, because there is a part of like, um, when all of that is happening and when there's coping around any of those type things, we become enmeshed with them. We believe them so much. It is our coping thing. It's the way that we survive, right? So being able to step away, to no longer be enmeshed, to be able to look at it, and some people have to step completely away and not be able to look at it for a long time. I was able to kind of step away, still be in an association and do all those things and start to deconstruct things and figure things out, right? Um, but yeah. specifically when you talk about forgiveness, like one of the things I want to speak to is it is very common to have a narrative when it comes to trauma of I have done something wrong, right? Anything bad that happens is my fault. It's my responsibility. I need to fix it. Um, I need to take on other people's stuff, right? Like, and other people, of course, want you to, and that's part of the coping to keep you stuck is to take on the blame and this and that and the other. But it, it and it's how we survive in trauma, right? Yeah. So it's a very common narrative. And especially if it, the trauma happened when you were young, it happened with somebody ha- who had authority over you or someone who you perceived had authority over you, um, maybe somebody a little bit older, even if it's only a few months older, right? Um, but, And I think lots of times the way that we're taught about forgiveness actually, because it's oftentimes like you need to forgive somebody else, right? Like you need to forgive if somebody's done something bad to you, You need to forgive them and be the higher person than this and that and the other, right? Um, And we often talk about it because it'll just make you feel better. But really, it is about like, why do you need to forgive them? So that they can feel better. So that it's like an external show almost, right? And I don't think that's what real forgiveness is. I think real forgiveness is a conscious letting go while still being connected to our inner wisdom. Mm. So... It's like a dissolving. So like, I mean, if you think of like, you know, you put salt in water, right? And you stir it around a little bit. The salt is still there. The water is still there, but it's dissolved in a way that it works, right? And so a forgiveness is starting to be a letting go. And I want to also say, like, I think the really important part is I don't find it very helpful and I haven't found it very helpful with any of my clients so far. Um, And not to say that, you know, I, I haven't covered everyone, so it might be helpful for some people to yeah. first forgive their perpetrators or the people who have harmed them. Um, I find where the forgiveness has to start first before that can even happen is the forgiveness of ourselves, which again, lots of times we think, well, we only need to forgive if we've done wrong. If we've been abused in some way, we didn't actually do anything wrong, right? But remember that narrative that we have, that was in trauma of I have done something wrong and I have, I am responsible. Right. And so it's that forgiving of the fact that we even believed that. So it's the like, and forgiving ourselves. Cause like when we, when we do that, like when we look back on ourselves, we, we look at the different ways that we acted. And I know for me, like I would be so mad, like how, why did I act that way? Like there's almost a loathing and a disgust, Mm -hmm. With the way that we acted, because we kind of let the abuse keep happening because of the way we acted, right? And some of that like depends on like lots of times if people freeze and all they wanted to do was run away, then they judge themselves for, for like, why couldn't I free? Or why couldn't I run away? Why did I just freeze? Or if you know you're fighting and you wanted to run away, but you couldn't run away because you were fighting, right? Or you didn't like the way that you fought. You're like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Yeah. If it's the fawning, right? Where you're pretending something. And like saying things that aren't really true to you. You know, we have these things of like where we then judge ourselves because our moral standards and our moral compass would not have acted that way. And so, does that make sense of where like the forgiveness comes of starting to be able to be like, I love you, I forgive you, and I forgive myself for like judging you and being so mad at you and not? Does that make sense? That's where I kind of see forgiveness.
0: And when you're talking about forgiveness in that way and defining it that way, I'm sensing s- such a an emotion of love versus forgiving myself and then having guilt and shame and 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 distress of of why you did what you did and beating yourself up. But you're saying forgiveness is so rooted in in love, self-compassion, mm-hmm. self-respect, yes. and and a level of understanding mm-hmm. of like this is this is all I could do. Yeah. At the moment, this was the only way to survive. Yeah. And now we're looking for something better and mm-hmm. more sustainable. Right. So, how do you first of all, does forgiveness even matter in the healing journey? And what what are some of the steps that you feel like you've taken? that you can share with the listeners about this step towards forgiveness in the midst of trauma and healing.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure. So I do I do think it matters in being able to your point. It's very powerful to start helping those younger versions of us, helping whatever version we were, whatever experience we were in, you know, in our body, our mindset when we had trauma, right? is being able to start understanding I can let go all the judgment I have of that. I can let go how, you know, how I think I should have responded and didn't. Um, and so some of the processes with that is right. Just starting to gain trauma education, just starting to understand what is a normal way our bodies respond and starting to like normalize, I responded in a normal way for that situation. I respond, our body isn't concerned with our moral or our survival system when it comes online isn't concerned with our moral standards. It is concerned with keeping us alive. And so if for some reason we did something in that survival state to survive based on the trauma we experienced, and it wasn't congruent with our moral standards, then we have a really hard time with allowing that to happen and being okay with us doing that, right? And so that's where I think the the forgiveness and letting go comes of forgiving us doing something that we were going to do to survive. And can I appreciate and understand that it kept me alive and now I get to... So part of, I think, the cool thing of why forgiveness can be powerful is it helps us to reframe the way that we view our trauma. Helps us to reframe the way we view us. It helps us to reframe the way we view those who were in connection to the trauma, whether it be a perpetrator or, um, you know, just something that happened to us, being able to let go of the judgment, the hate, the anger, the loathing in a way that's not just like, I'm going to forget about it ever that it ever happened. Um, but in a way of, I am consciously choosing to let these responses go from my body with this wisdom that I am learning from it and I'm able to change the way I think I can change those trauma narratives so that I I no longer inherently believe that I'm bad I no longer inherently believe that I'm responsible for every other bad thing that happens in my life I don't take it on I'm able to and I think it's beautiful too because I'm able to let people own their stuff, even if they don't want to, right? Like, It's actually a beautiful gift to be like, this is not mine to carry. It's yours. And I can understand why you'd want to avoid it because I did too. But I can see you for you and I can give it back to you, not in like a hateful, like shove it off. I mean, and at points like, To be fair, there are definitely times when I have done that of like, just get this away from me. I hate you. I hate this. And I think there's steps to that, right? So there are steps to the forgiveness. It is totally okay if that's your first step to go there and to shove it off that way. And to know that you can always come back to it, right? But there is a reframe there versus a reframe that's giving it back lovingly, right? And so it's being able to decide which reframe do I want, which one is serving me, which one is helpful for me at this point in my healing and know that it's going to be different. Along the journey.
0: That sounds so empowering, yeah. where it's like you found your voice back. And this is something mm-hmm. that we had, we talked about this week in our session yes. about finding your voice. And it seems like finding your voice is so rooted in choice. Mm-hmm. Like, what yeah. do I have the power to do and say? Yes. And how do I want to? How do I want to express myself? And like you were saying, sometimes it might be shoving it. It's like, no, Mm -hmm. and throwing it back at them. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, also knowing that you can also lovingly just put it on the altar and just say, it's yours or it's yours, God. I'm now going to walk away from it. Mm -hmm. This isn't mine to carry anymore. Right. Right. And so just starting on you, because it seems like, it seems like, you know, others would think, well, I will heal if the other person would just do X, Y, Z or ABC or jump through hoops or change or not be that way or not say this. Is that true? Is our healing dependent on another person's behavior? absolutely not. <laughs> and why not? Like and and yeah. include and include not only healing but forgiveness. Why yeah. does it not why is it not dependent on another person's decisions?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, obviously other people doing certain things can make our healing a little bit easier, right? Like they can definitely like it's and getting some external validation is always a good thing, but it can yeah. I don't find it can be dependent on that because then to your point we lose our choice because then we're relying on somebody else's actions yep. and i haven't found that ever to serve me or any of my clients right to be able to let what i actually have found empowering is to let them be like you know i i want them to change i want them to do x y and z and i can request it all the time mm-hmm. and there's the part of accepting that they're not going to possibly ever yeah. change it's not ever yeah. and i don't i don't have to like it like i can still not like i can still wish that they would but that is not what i'm basing my healing off of because our healing comes from within our healing our body already knows how to heal like our body knew how to put us in survival it knew what things to do it knew what coping to offer us but it was never like meant to offer us for the long term. We as humans just don't know how to get out of that, right? And some of it is societal, cultural conditioning, all of those things. We don't know how to quit doing that, right? So, it's starting to gain awareness of what is happening in trauma? What do I do automatically? And starting to put pauses on those. Like, I know my body goes into this trauma response. When it goes into this trauma response, this is how I act. So, What do I want to do instead? And part of that can only happen as we start to release some of those visceral responses so that they're not so much in charge, so that they don't fully take over, so that there is a space, right, for us to be able to be like, okay. And all of it comes from within, like nobody on the outside can tell us the visceral response that we're having. Nobody like changing and doing whatever they're doing, like our body still would go into survival of like, well, can I really trust them? Like, you know, like it would still, so it all comes within. And, And the wisdom for what we can do next, again, comes from within. You know, we can get ideas from other people, but we always can check back to ourselves of, does this feel true to me? Is this who I am? And part of it is in starting to change those narratives so that we learn who we really are. We can let go of the coping narrative that is not true about us and find our true identity. Uh-huh. So does
0: that help? Did that answer? No, that totally does. And again, going back to this is our work. This is your work. This is yes. my work. Yes. And so doing the work within your own body, within your own mind, within your own reframing, how has that impacted your your outside relationships with others because it sounds like and this is what um Jennifer finlayson Welsh also talks about it, and many others how there is a balance between being um being connected to our own self and mm-hmm. being connected to others right. right right and so how has you reconnecting to your own self coming home to your own self that's something that that we that phrase that we use in trauma is coming to our own wholeness, our own self. How has that made a difference in how you relate to others, especially your perpetrators? And I know this might be treading on some sensitive issues. So if you don't want to talk about that, that you can just give me an X or something. (laughs) (laughs) No, I definitely can talk
1: to it. Um, Yeah. It is like, to your point, that whole coming home, like, we have, as humans, we need to connect, right? Lots of times where our trauma comes from is the fact that we weren't able to connect with people as we were young and growing up, right? Some of that definitely stems from that. And so there is this innate need to connect with other people. But as we like are connecting with ourselves and knowing who we really are, like kind of to the point of what Jennifer says, we have something to bring to other people in connection, right? We're not just trying to Um, understand them so well that we know how we have to show up in order for them to like us, right? We get to be like, this is who I am and I am going to bring that and I want to find out who you are. I don't want to find out just certain parts of you so that I can adapt you to fit me either. It's not about that either, right? It's about being able to truly see ourselves gives us the ability to start truly being able to see other people and being able to to your point, like have a voice and be honest about who we are. um, We can then start to have it be safe to be honest and knowable to other people. Right. Like I know Jennifer talks a lot about like being knowable. And um, I know for me, I had to build up capacity within my body to know myself because the parts that I knew about me were terrifying. And, and the little pieces that I tried to, you know, because it was all these like terrible narratives about trauma and how terrible a person that I was. And that was terrifying to me. And I did not want to share that with anybody. And that's who I thought I was. And then as I started to like kind of work through that, I realized, oh, there were actually parts of me that I tried to offer to people. And they told me that was bad, even though Mm -hmm. it wasn't. And it was a really good part of me. They just didn't know how to accept it. For one, it would have changed their um, how they saw me. They might've seen me as a real person instead of somebody they could abuse, right? And yeah. so it, they, yeah. they couldn't see me that way. So of course they had to shove that down. Um, And so being able to know that I am knowable to myself, it's okay. And I get to test out and try who I want to be knowable with and how knowable I am. And that's where we kind of get to set mm-hmm. up boundaries of how knowable am I going to be to this person? And we get to decide and we get to like kind of try it out and be like, oh, no, actually, you're not a safe person for that information. I, you know, and I used to think like, I hate that I can only be surfaced with this person. And I don't even want a relationship with them if I can only be surfaced. And that's fine if that's what you want to create, right? But for yeah. me, there are certain people that I keep in my life, um, partly because my children want to at least know who they are, want to somehow have a little bit of a relationship with them, but I keep it very, um, you know, until my kids are old enough to really decide for themselves. um, I keep up definite boundaries for safety and let them, you know, be able to know that this person, I will keep things on a surface level. I think that's safe. They get to know that part of me. They don't get to know the other parts of me. They, they aren't able to hold that, right? They go into trauma, of wanting to then suppress me and this and that and the other. And I don't, I I know how to do my own work, but I don't want to do the work with them. <laughs> right. I don't want to yeah. offer that to them. They do all their coping trauma that then wants to send me into my coping. And I have to either stop it or work through it or go into trauma. And, you know, and I'm like, I don't even want to do that with them anymore. Like I'm done doing that game. Yeah. Not, they're not changing. They're not doing the work to shift and, and, adjust things. So I'm not even going to go there with them anymore. Right. Um, and so we, like we said, we get to decide how far we want to take things and know that, um, you know, we can keep people, there are certain members of my family who I don't talk to anymore. And then there's others that I do. And so it just, you know, it just depends on where you're at and how you can hold on to yourself.
0: Yeah, and I love the questions that you are are sharing with us. Where, where in one on one sense, you can say you can be resentful and say, "Why can't I I share more of me?" and Mm -hmm. and if this person was different, then I wouldn't be so surfacey. And it feels so disempowering. Like it, Mm -hmm. you're almost like limiting your ability to choose. Versus saying, "How noble do I want to be with this person?" Yeah, how much of myself do I want to reveal? And from there, it's it feels so empowering. It sounds so empowering. There's so much choice here because you get to decide, mm-hmm. but you get to decide by tapping into who you are, right. and from a place of love. And I was remembering one of the things that Adam Miller says. Um, he is a philosopher, um, yes. LDS author, and he asks this question. And let me see if I could try to remember how he says it. He says, what is it when it comes to the law of love? The question is, what is needful from a place of love? And I know that's not exactly like the way he says it, but what does love require at this time? And sometimes what love requires is boundaries and limitations. Mm -hmm. It requires loving presence for yourself, and also loving presence for the limitations of the other person, especially if it is a perpetrator. Mm -hmm. Like that's the most loving thing you can do for them and for yourself. right? And so that's what came up for me. And that's not always easy to get to that place because we're also working through our fears that will still come up or our resentments that will still come up. And also, I almost wonder if doing it from a place of love, especially when it comes to your perpetrator, is in essence forgiveness. Like, what do you think about that?
1: I do. I think that's it. And I love like the reframing of that, right? Because that is to your point, it is forgiveness. And it's not the forgiveness that most people are thinking of it's yeah. not like if someone was to say um you know like I know like again them coming back to us would be like that's not forgiveness you haven't really forgiven me you need to do x y and z in order to say this forgiveness right and so again it's yeah. like giving that back to them and being like i understand that's your understanding of it it used to be mine too but that's not what i think it is and i am doing this and hold on to it and know that yeah that is forgiveness. It is like, um, you know, I love Adam Miller too. And I love adding in there one thing he talks about too is like, what goodness is needed here mm. to offer that love, right? And just being realizing yeah. that like, what is good and what I know in my body is good is not going to always be perceived from someone else as goodness.
0: Yeah. And that is yeah. okay. And goodness right? could be boundaries. Goodness could be- Absolutely. No, I don't think it's good or in goodness- to allow myself to be noble, yeah, yeah, right, yes, and yes. so that's yeah, that's causing me to just think, just in my own personal experiences, of just asking myself, what is needed here right. from a place of love, from a place of goodness, and what if, and and this might seem um. I don't know what the listeners will think about this, but what if forgiveness is just acknowledging the limitations of the other person Mm -hmm. of what they don't understand, what they're not willing to understand, what they can't understand. And like you said, giving it back to them says, I'm going to lovingly give it back to you. Yes. Yes. Because I know you don't understand and you can't understand. Right.
1: And I love that too, because it, it like puts it on, you know, the person to be able to let them be a person, let them be someone who makes mistakes. We all make mistakes. And I also want to clarify I do think it's important that people can do acts that are unforgivable. Like yeah. the action what happened can be unforgivable. You do not ever have to forgive that act. It might have been yeah. something so terrible, so demeaning, so like just destructive. You do not ever have to forgive that. Right? Yeah, and and absolutely. then you get to choose like Do I want to forgive this person? Do I want to let it go and give it back to them? Do I want to, you know? And no, again, I have found that that work is really hard to do if you haven't first done the work within to be able to forgive yourself of all that judgment and narrative that you've had around the situation. And even the whole part of like, because we, in trauma, we tie the person to the unforgivable act. Right. And so it's being able to separate out. Every person is good. Every person is bad. And we all have good and badness within us. And that is not the sum of who we are. All the good that we've done does not ever outweigh all the bad. It's not, it's not a measuring scale like that. Like if I, it's not transactional like that. Right. It's seeking for goodness, seeking for transformation, seeking for change. Yeah. So I think Absolutely. that's really powerful,
0: yeah. and i I love to use the word shadow. And I think it's that's that term is also used in trauma. Like we're all light and we're all shadow. And shadow mm-hmm. is a part that is inner unconscious, that we yes. don't fully we don't know it's there. And yet it runs our lives, right. And the work is to just increase our sh- our light into that shadow, mm-hmm. you know. So I love that. So one of the questions I wanted you to um, address is what is not forgiveness? And I know we touched upon boundaries and I Mm -hmm. think that boundaries is a hot topic. It's, um, I hear like I'm on, are you on Jennifer's like Facebook group? Are you on? uh, I am. I only get
1: on every once in a while. It's a lot, but
0: (laughs) so yeah, it is a lot. I know it's a lot. And so boundaries always comes up. Like, how do I draw a boundary? What does it look like? What what does it sound like? So can you give us your take on boundaries from your own experience? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So to your point, it is not like, oftentimes we want to say like, oh, somebody did X and X. I need to put a boundary up to make them stop. Right. And that is not what a boundary is for at all. Right. Because that is very much, again, that external, We need to control the external Mm -hmm. environment. We need to control the other person. So I'm going, and then it's a lot of like, I'm requesting you to do X, Y, and Z. And then if you don't do it, then you're going to now have to do this and this and this. And that's not what a boundary is, right? A boundary is definitely being able to be like, I don't feel this is appropriate, I don't feel this is safe. This is what the boundary would be. And it can be like you just say it within your own mind or you can tell the other person. But then like how the boundary is held is then if this is not upheld, I will then do X, Y, and Z. We don't give our power over to the other person when we place a boundary, right? And yeah. the boundary comes with with then, you know, because I have, you know, like some family members that um again, I do still see, but one of them is a perpetrator, and I have voiced like, you know you are not allowed to touch my body at all, (laughs) right? Like you don't come into this space. And if you start to try or if you do, because there are times when he has come into this space and I go into a freeze mode, I can't walk away. I can't say anything. I can't. And sometimes I'll even go into that fawn response where I will pretend like it's okay. And so then it's okay to know that that happened, know that my body did that response. And then when I am out of it to -hmm. then be able to address it, that is where the boundary comes in to be able to be like, Hey, you did this and this and this. So now I am not going to be around you for this amount of time. I am going to, you know, remind you every time I come in. Hey, I don't want to hug. Hey, I don't want you getting too close to me. Hey, you need to stay away. I'm fine talking to you from across the room. You know, like I will. So that is me being loving and taking care of myself and like, does he like it? Does the other family members think I'm going over the top? Absolutely. Like they don't appreciate it. They think I'm ridiculous. And I just get to let them own that and be like, Yeah, I know, because you all think that I should just let him touch my body however I want and should be okay with it. And that's yeah. not okay. Right. And it, just, just knowing like we have different understanding of what is okay, what is safe. And and I'm okay with that. So does that make sense? Does that help at yeah. all of being like no, I'm gonna hold on to totally my boundaries? and they don't they aren't going to like it and it's okay.
0: Yeah, I love it um because basically what you're saying is you're not giving your power away. Mm-hmm. You're choosing okay. your own actions, your own behaviors um, from a right. place of what is good for me? Yeah. What is safe for me? What is the most loving thing I can do for myself and for my family right. Right. my right. children. Right. And so then what is the next step in your healing journey? What's the next step in your forgiveness journey mm-hmm. now?
1: Yeah, I think for me it is still in letting um you know cuz I I will still have like these moments come up of these trauma narratives. And so and they used to come up and they either would overtake me or they would come up and I would just judge them and be so mad that they were even there, right? And so yeah. now it's starting to be they come up and it's almost like they're they're a little bit nervous now to come oh. up of like <gasps> can I share this with you? Is this okay? Like, are you going to get mad at me? Are you going to, because my nervous system is trying, I'm it, I'm trying to retrain it and reframe it, right? And so it's had experience along this journey where I've been really mad at it. It's had experience where um, I've totally enmeshed with it. It's had experience mm-hmm. where I have been so compassionate and loving and like, I can totally understand. And so now it kind of feels like these things are coming up and and they're just a little bit nervous. Like, we don't really know how you are, How you're going to respond. And there's parts of me that I want to be like, oh, come on. That was like a long time ago when I was really mean to you. That was like, I'm not that person anymore. (laughs) But like, when it's these new narratives that like, maybe I didn't understand that it was connected in this way. And so it's kind of like, I wouldn't say new narrative. It's an old narrative that I didn't understand was connected to this experience in my life. And it wants to come up because it's this old narrative that is associated with all these different versions of my healing. Yeah. It's a little, it's kind of like, it's popping up like, is it okay to show up here? Is this appropriate? And how are you going to respond to us? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so that's kind of my journey now is to let it come up and to be able to be like, that's a good point. Do I need to go into that survival state? Does that need to happen? And I kind of am now into this point of like checking in with her when she comes up and when this narrative comes up of wanting to be like, pretty sure we need to go into freeze right now. Pretty sure we need to go into fun. Pretty sure we need to fight this or run away from this. Right. And she's popping up like, I am pretty sure this is it. And being able to let kind of her, I can able to take a breath and let her kind of look around and be like, you tell me, what do you think? As we look around in our environment right now Mm -hmm. and what's happening, does this need to come online? Do we need to really do this right now? And it's been really cool because I can kind of have this conversation with her and being like, I know that you are telling me I need to go into this trauma response. I know exactly what's going to happen in my body when I do that. I can pretty much play it out. Right. And I can start to even feel it a little bit in my body. And then I also am separated enough from it now to also be able to be like, and what does my inner wisdom want to offer? And can we have a conversation about like, what is also true here? And is there a different way to act? Based on this, right? And sometimes it that. is just like, yeah, I get it. You don't like this person. You don't think they like you. You don't. Want to, you know, like it's not even like a. I I just don't like this person. Why are we even around them? Why are we even doing this? Why is this like a practice and a trial? Like why do we have to do this work? Right? Like I still get that coming up all the time. But it's yeah. So that's kind of my journey is being able to continue to communicate with her
0: and let her come up and and assess. So. I love that. Oh my gosh, that is that resonates with me so deeply, and <laughs> it's like you're re you're reforming your relationship with your own self, with mm-hmm. all aspects of your own self. Yes. You know the the internal critic, uh, the inner child, the adult self. You know the wisdom that's within you, like all of it. You're it's like you're slow. And I was thinking about this today on my run. It's as if you're just also bring it all together into alignment, like into the alignment, the way that God wants us to be in alignment with all parts of us. So I love that. And so I love to end with this question. And I purposely did not ask you this question because I didn't want you to think (laughs) about it. I love it. But, But what does it mean to you to lead with grace as it comes to trauma healing and forgiveness? That's a good question.
1: So, to lead with grace um, around trauma healing and forgiveness, I think it really does just come back to tapping into continuing to ask myself, like, what does that mean from day to day? Like, what does that mean? You know, check in with my body. How does grace feel in my body? Like, right now, when I say that, I feel this. Um, this little bit of a warmth line that kind of starts right around in my collarbone mm-hmm. and kind of spreads and shoots straight down into like my belly. And then there's also like this spot in my chest that's like grace wasn't safe. There are times when it wasn't mm-hmm. safe. And so I'm able to kind of like hold space for all of that and know like, yeah, I know. I know it hasn't been. I know it wasn't. And like, I don't shove it down. I let that be there and know like, that's for me is like, I'm curious about that then why in my heart right there, did it tell me sometimes that's not safe and being able to like address that and go into that and feel that in my body. Because along with like that shooting down there, right? Like I then felt this warmth that kind of would spread throughout my back. And so it really is just like, and then I just feel this gratitude of like, I'm in my body. Like, you know, back in 2019, I didn't even know what that meant. And I can have you ask me a question and I'm going to get emotional because I just love my body now. And I'm so grateful. I just have a stronger testimony of why we are given bodies and how it connects to our wisdom and our spirit. And there's just so much power that comes in this union, in this connection. And I'm, I'm really grateful for it. And just being able to, again, tap it into forgiveness, being able to let go of the, the trauma responses that no longer serve me. I don't need those in my body. I do not need to store them anymore. And my body was never meant to store them. My body was never meant to hold them for as long as it has, right? Like I stored yeah. that trauma for... What, forty years? It was never meant to. And to be able to feel so free and light, you know, to be able to be like, I am forty-six now and I feel so much different in my body. Yeah. I know what it is to be in my body. And there's just this freedom that's beautiful.
0: So I love how just just you sharing your testimony and your your spiritual beliefs that that you embody grace and grace is the full spectrum of the light and shadow and just holding space for that in your body and to acknowledge that your body has this great capacity to do this and it's just part of the healing process so thank you so much you're welcome thank you so much for being on here and to all my listeners i will make sure to have cammy's contact information in the show notes if you have any other further questions about the work that she's doing what she's passionate about what her experiences and how she can help you to move forward in your trauma healing i highly highly recommend you to reach out to her i i know you will not regret it not one bit i have not regretted. so <laughs> <laughs> as her client i do not regret it at all and she also has a podcast what's your podcast called again go all in to let go. So it's the same as the name of my programs. So Yes, absolutely. And so I will also have that link in the show notes as well. For sure, go and find her podcast, follow it, subscribe to it, and start listening to all the wisdom and experience that she is so ready to share with you and so willing to share with you. If you haven't already done so, Please subscribe to this podcast today. And if you are an LDS woman going through separation and divorce, I invite you to my free women's group called Women at the Well. And you can find the link in the show notes. And here, we harness our discipleship by asking and receiving personal revelation, seeing and recognizing the power of God through everyday miracles, and to walk the covenant path through a greater conversion with Jesus Christ.